This episode of Curious with Josh Peck is brought to you by Amazon Alexa Skills. Find your favorite skills today. Just say, Alexa, what are your popular skills on any Alexa-enabled device? Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast with me, Josh Peck. I'm your host. I'm your guide. I'm your... I'm your mentor, maybe. I like to think of myself as that, perhaps. I like to think that you hold me in a certain esteem. And when life's not treating you right and you're just feeling all all types of ways and you're like, God, is this it? Really? This was not the adulthood that I dreamed of as a child. I thought it would be so much more full of just... uh, exciting prospects and limitless possibilities and it's just a lot of worrying about where we're going to go out to eat and uh, how expensive health insurance is and do we need showtime I want showtime but do we like do we need it maybe look I'll tell you what piecemeal piecemeal it honey I'll get HBO and showtime for a month we'll watch fucking everything okay I'm, we're gonna watch everything. We're gonna on demand it. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know do the whole HBO Go thing. Then after a month, get rid of it. And maybe we should call the cable company and see if they'll lower our bill because they always do. They always, isn't that fascinating? How like you can call the cable company and they just you'll say like, listen, I'm leaving. Uh, you know what? I think I'm I, I think I'm just gonna stream at this point. I really just watch Netflix. And they'll be like, okay, hear us out. If you're going to leave, we know your bill's $250, but how much, how about if you only pay $11 a month? And you're like, what the fuck? I could have been paying $11 a month. They're like, we just, we needed something just in case, you know, we needed an ace in the hole that if you threatened to leave, we'd, we'd keep you here. And you're like, God, 11 All right. I suppose. Can I get faster internet with that? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, we just arbitrarily keep your numbers low so that you uh, that you need us. We just want to frustrate you, basically. We don't want you downloading too many things. You know, you don't need all that. Trust us. This is such an adult. It's such a grown-up thing, cable bills. I never thought I'd be making myself laugh about it uh, at 31. Yeah, but, you know, so is life. These are the intricacies. This is the minutia of just, like, being alive past the age of 30. This is a thing we get off on. I mean, I I really like hanging out with older people because I'm just just big fans and it'll be fascinating to me when I'll talk to a friend who's like in their 70s. I'll be like, what'd you do today? And they'll be like, went to the bank. And I'm like, and then what else? And they go, nothing else. Bank. And that was their day. And they were stoked. They got into the minutia. I'll be like, what, what'd you do today? I was on I was on the phone with Verizon for most of the morning. Made myself lunch. Now winding down. <laughs> oh my god. Yo, um today's podcast, my friend Matthew Cole Weiss, who I've known for two years now, um, incredibly talented writer director, um a former podcaster, hopefully future podcaster. He had a great podcast called Allegedly with Theo Vaughn, and that's how we met. He uh, sort of sidled up to me at a party and said, uh, would you ever come on my podcast? And I did it. And then uh, we became quick friends because we come from the same uh, 
uh, neurotic Jewish mama boy mentality, but um, he's a real gem, and he formerly worked for TMZ and a couple other of those sort of fun, gossipy outlets, and he really understands the business. He loves famous people, and uh, and he's got just a lot of experience with, like, paparazzi and, uh, and just, you know, he's he's, like, got the best stories. And so I just felt like he would be a perfect addition to the Curious Podcast lineup because I'm fascinated by just what makes real celebrities, not like quasi like D-list ones like me, tick. So enjoy this. Here's Matt. Yeah. One, two. Check. Give me some. <laughs> Give me some. Matthew Colweiss here. <laughs> Matthew Colweiss. What's up? Can't believe this is happening. This is great, man. And we just had pizza, and I feel fat. So Same you got here. me very vulnerable. How about that? <laughs> this is just going to be 60 minutes of tears, crying. You can get whatever you want out of me right now. I know. It's just two former chubby guys who were getting vulnerable. <laughs> very vulnerable. This is vulnerable. really going to happen. But I'm glad to be here, man. I mean, we do. I'm Not to deviate from the, the eating portion of this, but I mean, I, I pay for every bad meal I eat. Do you? What do you mean? Like, just psychologically. Oh, uh, yes. Every single one. That's why I, I have to run longer. I have to uh, not eat for another 24 hours. Right. Every single one. It's very rarely that I actually, actually this time I, I, I feel kind of like, stress-free about what I ate, but that's also because I haven't eaten anything in like 24 hours. Fair. <laughs> Which is not healthy. Well, fasting, good though. Yeah, but every day I just eat one meal. That can't be good for you. Probably not. And I don't drink water. Especially when that one meal is you going hard body karate at our <laughs> local yogurt land. Yeah, dude, dude, I go all the way. I went to yogurt land the other night and it was $12.86 and the woman was like, uh, two spoons? And I was like, yeah, sure. two spoons. And then I made it like known to all the other customers, like I have two spoons, so it's That's not just awesome. me. And then I ate it by myself. That's like when you're at a hotel and you order room service, and they say for how many, <laughs> and you say three, um, obviously. Some of us haven't gotten room service before. Oh, lap of luxury. You've never gotten room service. Stop no, it. I have. I'm just kidding. Of course you have. I have. Yeah. Well, you're, parents have paid for it when right. I was younger. There you go. Listen, however it happens to support my story. Exactly. Matthew Kowais. Yeah. Good friend of mine. Yes. Great filmmaker. Wonderful. Director, writer. Yes. Podcaster. Yes. And former employee of many, what would you call it? Paparazzi outlets? Mm, both. Paparazzi and news. entertainment news outlets. Okay. Yeah. I'm very, um, uh, have been very involved in the entertainment spectrum. So I can talk about the Kardashians till my, I feel like I know the Kardashians better than I know some of the members of my family. There's a good chance. I mean, I've never met them, but I know more about their lives. Hopefully Aunt Sally's not listening to this. <laughs> you seem like you'd have an Aunt Sally. I don't have an Aunt Sally. All right. Well, we all make choices. She passed away. So sorry to hear that. Thanks. Well, we all know who this podcast is dedicated to. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, you were a good woman, and we want to thank you yeah, for exactly. your, your time on this beautiful earth, Hearts and Minds. <laughs> I should name this podcast Hearts and Minds. Can I go back? Yeah, sure. Rename it? I mean, I, I, I don't really know if you're going to be able to deliver what the title suggests. Says you. Oh, you're right. Show me know. wrong. Show me wrong. So you worked for TMZ. Mm -hmm. And I think people would be fascinated about the inner workings of a place like that. Not only have I worked, yes, and not only have I worked with TMZ, but in my, you know, 
many years of directing and entertainment news, I've met or worked with every celebrity there is. There's not one celebrity, like big celebrity, right? that I haven't met. Presidents, Madonnas. Ronald Reagan. Well, no. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, great guy. He seems like a love. Great guy. So and glad to hear that. I take pictures with uh, celebrities when I meet them or interview them or whatever, and I shake. I have like a natural shake. A natural tremor. Yeah, and he was like, I got it, and he took the picture. Whereas I did, it, I got a picture with Kesha, and I took the picture, and it was very blurry, and I was like, oh, look, I shake. It was blurry, and I was like, this is your chance, Kesha. Why don't yeah, you just say, I'll in take here. it? And she's like, all right, do it again. I was like, okay, and then it was also blurry. I don't think Kesha's really looking out for <laughs> someone not. with a natural tremor. What a bitch. I mean, listen, Kesha, she's had her own issues. I've, I, you know, I've had my natural tremor moments with other celebrities, like the guy from Ray Donovan who thought I had Parkinson's. It happens. I just went along with it because it was an awkward moment. Wait, so the guy that has Parkinson's on the show. Yes. Projected onto you that you... He saw... I was taking the photo. I was shaking. Understandable that he might have thought you... Yeah. And I just went with it. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was like... He's like, how long have you had it? And I was like, oh, it's only been a few years. And he's like, is this a run your family? And I was like, no, this is... It's horrible. Just digging. My brother was there with me. And he so Looking deep. at his face. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? And then... It was, he goes, can I get a picture with you to put on my social media? The wow. Guy, and I was like, ooh, I don't like to talk about it you know, so, publicly. So, First of all, let's appreciate your brother for A, being mortified, <laughs> but B, having that be less than his need to be a great brother and support you in your devastating lie. Well, I actually – well, I had a moment where I was like, oh, by the way, this is my brother. Like, let's change the conversation. Right. Uh, Cody, and he was like, hey, nice to meet you. And he left. He left right away. So I was there. What a jerk. And this guy was like, you're, you're, you know, you're the reason I do this. You're an inspiration. And he was like, <laughs> what um, if Cody had said, like, my brother's my hero? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, my I, God. There was part of me that felt awful, but part of me that was like, whoa, this is happening. There's a part of me that completely understands <laughs> your need to just go along with the lie. It was weird. 100%. <laughs> it was weird. And now, like, I can't see this guy again i mean because then what do you say like i have a benign tremor and then the parkinson's went away i don't even know if that that's not possible i think this is gonna <laughs> get my podcast in trouble <laughs> uh, i feel like we've just made fun of the wrong community he's a wonderful guy yeah no i i uh uh i you're right <laughs> well on that note <laughs> <laughs> on that note yes uh so i any celebrity you want to know about um i have met or know or have worked around or written about or interviewed well what i mean you moved out to la you're from philly yeah and so how did you get into the sort of entertainment news well i fell into zone. it because first i went to new york and i went to nyu okay and uh tish I, yeah tish oh well excuse me <laughs> yes tish I uh, I mean, for me as an actor, like anytime you see a filmmaker or an actor who actually goes through the traditional system, like a USC, a Juilliard, and doesn't just decide one day, like most of us schmucks, who's like, I could, yeah, I could do that. No, bro, it was I, I've such seen a waste. movies. It, it was, was a waste. It was a waste. I mean, it structured me a little bit and made me like direct and and make stuff, but. I don't think I learned anything specific there. I certainly didn't anything, learn anything that would help me uh, like, have a career. Do you watch a lot of Goddard? Yeah. Yes. And what's even worse than that is watching other students 
short films that think that they are like Citizen Kane. And then they can give you feedback oh, on your shit awful. and criticize. That awful. sounds awful. I did this short film there. It was, this, it was called Mean People Suck. stars James Franco. Uh, Wait, this is a student film starring James Franco? Yeah. All right, overachiever. Uh, totally. And I was like, my, my class is totally going to love this and support this. And they just tore it down. Well, because they were all jealous. So yeah, you got James maybe, Franco. For sure. But it went on won awards and stuff. But anyway, go, that actually, so when I was in college. Wait, I think we need to talk about how you got James Franco to be in your well, first ever short. To. Okay. When I was in college, uh, I was like, I need a way to kind of network. So I wrote for the school paper, the NYU Washington Square News. Mm. And... Um, they had me do entertainment beat and I'd meet other journalists like just out and about say, Hey, if you're looking for anybody. So I started writing for 17 magazine, right? Great. Yeah, sure. What the fuck do I, I did a whole piece about, you know, what guys look for in girls. No, (laughs) I totally did a straight piece. That's great. Like the type of girls that I look for, like for whatever. How did you do research on that? I made it all up. It's all bullshit. All right. I just assume this is what straight guys think. All right. For our listeners, in case they haven't already put it together. If you haven't put it together, man. (laughs) Well, you're a little late. (laughs) (laughs) A little late to the party. Um, But uh, so then 17 led to Us Weekly, led to other things. And I started doing interviews and Maxim and details and a timeout, New York Times, everything. And so I interviewed celebrities. And then I would say, hey, do you want to be in my short film ballsy ballsy so i did it to ben affleck i did i had casey affleck on ben affleck post goodwill hunting yeah Jesus. he was on he was on the hook while he was dating j-lo no this was gwyneth paltrow days oh my god even better no he drove me home in his limo once to to my uh dorm uh and was talking to gwyneth on the phone i was like oh my god this is happening i have a lot of those moments in my life when i'm like really oh. and he goes oh so what what parties are uh Happen at NYU. And if you know anything about me, it's like, I don't know where the party is in yeah. a social sense. I do in the Hollywood sense, because that's my thing. But I don't get invited to no parties. You were like, me and a couple of the drama majors are going to sit Not back even. I got and no watch friends. a Hello Dolly marathon. <laughs> there you go. Now, like, I'm watching Survivor. <laughs> so he actually called me and later asked where the party was at. I said, I don't know. And he invited me out to a bar. Wow. And I met up with him. What kind of bar? It was called the Spy Bar in New York. And this is when I'm like 18, 19. I'm imagining dark. Dark. I'm imagining They literally like, had like binoculars on the like upper levels so you can spy on people down below. Obviously, there's a theme going. Obviously, yes. I like that. And it was like Leonardo DiCaprio and David Blaine. So it's like a famous person hangout. It, I was in it. And I'm like this 19-year-old kid. Did David Blaine do magic tricks to you? No. But was he doing them near you? No. He was <sighs> with Fiona Apple. Remember her? They Do I remember Fiona Apple? Come I'm, on. You're much younger than I am. I don't know about much, but... Okay, that's true. <laughs> All right, much. So that's how I got... <laughs> that's how I got my... Uh, the act... That's how... So I've always gone back and forth between directing and when I can't get a... Or writing and can't get a gig, I go back to journalism. At that time, being with Ben Affleck in 19, did you look at him and think, one day, you were going to be the kind of guy that gets a full back piece dragon tattoo? No. Oh, really? Uh, no. Actually, I don't think I would think that about anybody. Well, that's something I love about you, Matt. <laughs> you see the best in all. Uh, yeah. And I think it's, um, you no, have a beautiful I, spirit. No. I, and then I, I, a lot of things have happened to people. I, I've met a lot of celebs and interviewed them that died after. It's a very bizarre thing. Who most notably? I interviewed Aaliyah right before she died. God. I interviewed Christopher Reeve. Like... 
I was interviewing Christopher Reeve with my like tape recorder and I dropped it on his, like he was in the wheelchair and it, Stop like, it. went into his apparatus. It was so embarrassing. No. Yeah. Did alarms go off? No, no alarms <laughs> went off, but just... I didn't know what to do. And I was like, Ink. and then someone came over and was like, let me do this for you. You don't want to fucking pull out the tube. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. Am I good? No, that, listen, this is what the people want. Okay. This is what they want to hear. Yeah. So you're 19, you're in film school, you didn't learn much, which I guess is understandable. Uh, it's not that I didn't learn. Like, I, uh, yeah, I, le- I, I learned. Did Spike Lee, I mean, you, you imagine NYU Tisch and you imagine that Spike Lee's coming to teach yeah, every he other week. Class. Yeah. Okay. He was a dick. Really? Yeah. Didn't like him. I, okay. But then. I don't want to say that I can imagine that because I would die to work with him one day, but I can imagine that. But then. I also wanted to act, mm. and so I was auditioning, and I auditioned for a movie that he was directing called Bamboozled, Right. and the part was young white male, and so I go into the audition, and- um, You're like, I qualify. I totally qualify. It's a dark room. He's in the corner, and my line is, I just have to do this chant, let's go N-word, let's go N-word, let's go N-word, over and over again, and he's like, louder, louder, and doing it, got the part. Wow. So you can see me in the credits. They cut me out. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Money's in the credits. All right. Well, yeah. look, it's the small victories. And then I went up to him at the class after, and I was like, hey, I'm the guy. And he didn't, he blew me off. Whatever. Listen, we all make mistakes. We do. It's I right. also met Brian Singer in one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Spike Lee's an incredible filmmaker. He doesn't make the movies you like because. Okay, fair enough. But he's an incredible filmmaker. He has made I love some him. incredible films. He's made some not so incredible films too. Haven't we all? <laughs> all We've all made some stinkers. We don't Listen, ever I've made want the two world films. to see. Half of them are horrible. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I would say my batting average is 500 at best. No, I think when you're on a series like you were and had success from that, that balances out a lot of the other crap you can do. Like and then Drake you, and Josh. Yeah, or not like quality, but like worked and had like a solid job, and it was a good show. And then no, you no, do a movie like a The Wackness, show. and that's like quality. Thank you. And that balances out. That gives you a free pass to do some crap stuff. I guess so, to a certain extent. I was listening to Judd Apatow and Pete Holmes' uh, podcast the other day, and he said something to the extent of, if you're a director and they give you real money to make something and you screw it up, and not like an indie, I'm talking like multiples, tens of millions of dollars, it's almost for sure that if it bombs, the door is probably closed maybe forever. Yeah, that happened to me. But if you have... And I want to go back to that. But if you have great success from there on, you're then allowed three stinkers. Mm. So you're allowed to fail at a big budget, and then you're allowed to fail at a medium budget, and then you're allowed to fail at a small budget, and, and then, then you're done. You just direct commercials. I always look at it like this has been my saving grace thought. The guy who directed Powder, right, mm. was a child great molester. Movie. So he got arrested for child molesting, and then they still hired him later on to direct Jeepers Creepers and Jeepers Creepers 2. And I'm like, if this guy, convicted child molester, can get a job, like, anybody can, right-ish? No? Well, that's just, yeah, that's just a sad (laughs) reflection on our industry. Completely. But no matter how horrible I am. I didn't do that, and so and if he can get a job, I can get a job. Well, it's nice to see the way you find silver lining in all things, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so go see Powder. I guess just a, a quick tangent, because I am an aspiring 
creator, whatever the hell I am, and, and I imagine people listening are as well. What do you think is the one thing that you were endowed with from NYU that you took away from a film school and like a very prestigious film school environment? Yeah, I think it was... It it certainly wasn't like technical stuff because I forgot all that like lighting right. and cameras like and I've directed million dollar movies afterwards and I had no idea what some of that shit was. Right. It was the idea, the screenwriting idea of you have your voice and that's what makes you different than everybody else. So it endows you with the confidence to listen to your yeah your gut. It wasn't even yes to an extent. It was more. Saying like, there's, so, you know, why me over someone else? And what my, even if my voice is or what my, what I have to say. And so my stuff started to become a little more autobiographical. And so this film I'm working on right now is completely autobiographical. Right. And it feels the most authentic to me. It really does. Because it's all we have to draw from. Yeah. And when I try to write, and I have, I've sold stuff and written stuff that isn't, it doesn't feel as... Truthful. Yeah, it doesn't. But it's also a business where you don't need that. Like, I was up. So I directed this movie. It was great. Didn't do well. Standing Still, starring Amy Adams, James Vanderbeek, Colin Hanks. Didn't do great, but it was a great movie. And couldn't get hired afterwards, right? Right. I was up for Dukes of Hazard like, eight. And, like, Harold and Kumar, nine. And, like, I'm trying. I'm making these huge pitch presentations to get hired for Harold and Kumar, whatever. And at this point, are you completely disillusioned to a certain extent? Like... Here you are, you had such a sort of a uh, exciting beginning. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, like for me, and I've been in that same spot where it's like all of a sudden you see the planets aligning and then for whatever reason, it doesn't quite reach the heights yeah. that are required of the business. And all of a sudden you're like, oh God, like it, it, was it all for nothing? And But that humility is what has kept me and continues to happen on and off in my career. And I think that's part of, what keeps me me to an extent and I I I don't appreciate it I don't want to be humiliated but it has um helped my character well well I think it's that we're all susceptible to it like it's coming the universe wants balance it can't always be great times the bad is coming so it's like can you find meaning in the struggle. Yeah, but then I look at some people who are just suck. Impervious. And they, and they get, then they're doing, well, you never know how good someone's doing, but on, from the outside, like that person, like. I know what you mean. Trump. Trump. Trump, for sure, but Kanye, I mean, Kanye West, I look at a bunch of people. And well, it's funny, like, I think Chris Rock said it in his new special, something to the extent of like, for some people, the shoe never drops. Yeah, like it's not coming, and we all think like, oh, when that guy gets his comeuppance, right. look out! It sometimes it doesn't happen. No, sometimes you become like, president. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> or you become Harvey Weinstein. Right, and that shoe dropped. Well, I find my you know take on it, and it's what it, for what it's worth, which is not much, is that people like Harvey Weinstein, the serial megalomaniac sociopaths. Yeah are paying not only for their sins, but an additional asshole tax, which is that you have been a bad person for so long that we will take whatever we can get to bury you. But I feel like for every Harvey Weinstein, there's five that are like that and have not gotten called out. Name them. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> That's part kidding. of it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, uh, do you know Burt Bacharach? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, um, do I? Huge <laughs> fan. Oh my God, we're going to have to cut that out. <laughs> Nobody who's listening to your podcast knows who Burt Bacharach is. Well, I do, and I'm a huge fan. No, you're not. What do you get when you fall in love? <laughs> You're too, I mean, I don't even know his music. You only get lies and pain and sorrow. That's hysterical. Well, do you know that song? I mean, what no. What do you get when you huh. fall in love? Yeah. Come on. Now I know it. You only get lies and pain Burt Bacharach and sorrow. Burt is a wonderful, wonderful human being. I agree. But let's not get on a Burt Bacharach <laughs> tangent because that'll take over for the next 90 minutes. So, you know, it's interesting too that you talk about MIU because I was listening to... Such a great actor. I'm not going to know his name. He was on Mark Maron's podcast. Bradley, he was plays the father in Get Out. And he's uh, also... Bradley Whitford? Yes. Yeah. And he went to Juilliard, had the entire sort of, you know, the, the acting upper echelon experience. And he said, the greatest thing I took away from it was that you were able to act for 10 hours a day. Yeah. You were doing the thing that you're trying to do at all times during the day. And I got to do parts that I never would be allowed to do. So he got to stretch and move in a certain way. And I feel like all sort of the academic settings for anything that's artistic, like filmmaking and what have yeah. you. It made me do it. It's a gym. Yeah, it, to try, it is. To try shit out. And I was reluctant at first too, but it made me do it and create things that um, I don't necessarily have that drive or that whatever to get it done because of a deadline or we're now, now and I just don't do it. But I, I, one of the things I really appreciated about NYU was um, the city. I mean, the city right. spoke for itself. Did you buy drugs in Washington Square Park? No, but when Me I was... Me either. <laughs> <laughs> when I was uh, looking at dorms, I went with my parents to look at dorms, and we saw uh, this guy, and, and he let us come into his... Uh, kid, and let us come into his dorm to look at what it was like, to see if I wanted to live there, right? And then afterwards... As we were leaving, my dad said, do you know where we can get some lunch? And he thought um, that my dad was saying, do you know where we can get some weed or something like that? Doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> what, no. What the hell was I this don't know. drug I forget what it was. Do, we can't say, maybe it was get some food, and he thought he said weed. Something like that. I mean, I could understand if it was like lube or like something closer to food. I do ask for that often. Who doesn't? But, but So this kid brought out like his pot in front of it. Not pots much, you know, I went to college a long time ago, but, um, and my dad was like, oh my, like he freaked out. Like, oh, no pot, you can't go to this school. I can Whereas, imagine Mr. Weiss <laughs> yeah. shrinking at the side of uh, some marijuana. Whereas I stayed overnight at Fordham because I almost went there. And I was recently there. They put me in a room like for the like, weekend to with people students to see what it was like and they did um like spoon like melting crack or whatever it was and injecting while i was there really yeah and i was like this is not the place for me understandable and i literally called my mom i was like i'm not staying and i went home i think that's probably for the best <laughs> i don't imagine you thriving in that environment <laughs> no freaks out so we've Sort of gone in a big roundabout way. Here I come, bringing it back. Yep. Host duties, James Franco. Yeah. How do you get him into your short? So I interviewed him. Interviewed him. Yeah. Affleck I, style. He was on um, Freaks and Geeks at the time. And I just said, I sent him the script and I said, any chance? And I flew him out to New York because he was in LA at the time. I flew all the actors out. It was also 
Beverly Mitchell, who was on Seventh Heaven. Of course. Lu- Lucy? Yeah, Lucy. Lucy. Um, so she was pretty big at the time. Yeah. This girl, Dominique Swain, who was in Lolita and Face Off, and this guy, Eric Christian Olsen, who's now on NCIS LA. I flew them all out. I was like, this Baller. is it. This is it, man. And then I did the festival circuit with after. I went to Fargo, North Dakota. Did you I- put them up? Oh, no, they didn't come with me to the festival. No, I mean, did you when you flew them out? Did you yeah, put them up at yeah, a hotel? It cost a shit ton. What are we talking about? A Marriott Courtyard? No, it was one Best of those Western. It was one of those um, like furnished apartment sort of things. All right, because it was literally just for like four days or so, and then we shot in Central Park, and we didn't have permits, and they came and police came and. And James Franco was like, where's the trailer? And I was like, <laughs> James, no, there ain't no trailer. You're bugging, my friend. You can have a towel to warm you up, but that's right. about it. I could go buy you a water from the <laughs> bodega on the corner. That's what it was. But right now I'm going to need you to sit on this Apple box. A hundred percent. Yeah, got another ad for y'all. It's going to be really exciting, kind of. Yo, have you heard about Robinhood? Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. Yo, those cryptos, that, that could be the future. You know what I'm saying? You never know. Look, Robinhood strives to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. And listen, here's why it's dope. The cost, no commission thing, that's huge. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, the design, it's easy to use, easy to understand charts and market data. Place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. So, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at curious.robinhood.com. That's curious.robinhood.com. Let's get back to the show. Who are you? We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The people who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make the show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to listenerq, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com slash curious and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered into a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Yeah. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash curious. That's ListenerQ.com slash curious. Being around that early on, especially with a guy like Franco, who's become this, you know, huge star. Do you see it then when he's young, like moments of... Of greatness? Yeah, I did with him. How does that look? It looks as he's meant for something bigger than this, than like what I'm doing, you know? and Like Like he's sort of exploding out of it. Yeah, like he's got more than other people in the scene. You could just tell, you know? Mm. And he also has a look and... That does, I mean, we all have a look, but he's got like the right one. He had the right look. <laughs> right. For sure. The one I've been working on for <laughs> 20 years. Lost 100 pounds to get and then realized I still don't have it. What? Oh, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be around friends or work with people who right before they get huge. 
I worked with Amy Adams right before she got Oscar nominated. I worked with Chris Pratt right before he blew up. I worked with Meghan Markle right before she's became or is about Lady to become Markle. Lady, yeah, exactly. Princess, Princess Markle. Markle. What is is that's what she becomes? I Princess think so. Markle. Yeah, Princess. Okay. I did a, a the Fox is doing a special on it, and uh, they called me up and they were like. Um, what would you, will you do an interview about what Megan was like? And she worked on my film for like two days, but I did get to know her and she was very awesome. And I was like, yeah, only if it's positive. And then I went in and did the interview. And so I think you can see it like the day of the wedding. It'll be on Fox or really, yeah, you can see me. I just wish there's a part of me that wishes that he had married like a Jewish girl or something. So I it was know. like my last name up there, like princess Peckerman. <laughs> Now that's a name. Yeah. I could just see the people of the UK being like, I'm not sure about her being fourth in line for the... I think they're saying that, but not for <laughs> Jewish reasons. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but that... And what I said in this special is she's a strong, opinionated, tough, awesome girl. She, right. she genuinely is. Like, I'm not... And she's gorgeous. I wouldn't hit it, but... Well, sure. Well, maybe now that she's a princess, I would. I mean, I feel like if you're going to throw one out there to a girl she'd be the one well it would be like her or Meryl Streep yeah because Meryl Streep can do anything including me yeah right I make her talk in accents can you imagine that when like in the middle like once you're done with the act then maybe you guys do a little scene work (laughs) (laughs) you're like funny (laughs) I brought this scene (laughs) yeah exactly um or like Oprah love would love to but I don't. I don't think I physically could. So you obviously have a type, and it's <laughs> powerful older women. Powerful older women, and no, it's not a who type. could blame you? But if I'm going to do it, it's going to be one of those. Right? Yeah. It's that's legend status. Yeah. Exactly. But you never hear about it, right? Like no one's like, you know, in the '70s, I took down Streep. Like, <laughs> You're right. You know, you don't really hear about it. Yeah. But it's like I wouldn't like Hillary Clinton. I wouldn't do. Oh, I would. You would? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. It does like, not seem fun at all. I'd be like, Hillary, don't you know how to set up an AOL account? <laughs> like, Hillary, don't you know how to set up an email account? And she's like, um, shut up and just, well, okay. Well, forget it. <laughs> who knows? This part's not going to make it. No, there's something about, like, Oprah. Man, Oprah. To hook up with Oprah? Yeah, don't you think that'd be awesome? I know. I don't know. You know, I sometimes wonder, like, what people like that who have attained such heights need in a lover. Follow me. I'm not sure... That I I think they want some level of normalcy, right? You never know. Their life is fireworks. You're saying you couldn't live up to... No, I think I'd be the perfect normal guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I'd have just what they needed. Oprah. You know what I mean? I'd yeah. be like, Oprah, I know that you are everyone's favorite, but like, with me, you're just so... Bring it down, oh. Let's just hang out. <laughs> Let's have a moment. Yeah, you and me. Your name's Stedman. Yes. That's why it works. 100%. Yeah, that's all right. I understand strong women. You do? Yeah, and I just feel What's like about? I feel like most men are intimidated by by women in general, but strong women for sure. And because I grew up with a single mom who was Jewish and tough and kept the wolves at bay and kept mm. me in line and had no qualms about doing so, I sort of understand the idea of being able to come home and being like, "I know you're a boss and I know you're the toughest, like strongest person out there. Come on, let's eat some, you know, uh take out Chinese food. I'm going to rub your feet." There's something very swag is what the kids call it. Something very swag about that. Yeah. They're genuinely. And then we are gonna watch me on. We're gonna watch the reality show of your choice tonight. Ooh. We're gonna cuddle. <laughs> and then anything after that, dealer's choice. Yeah. You know I don't think I mean? Meryl Streep would put up with it though. 
No. No. No, she wouldn't. Um, okay, so Yo. you leave you leave NYU. Mm-hmm. What's next? I got an offer to direct a movie right out here. I was 21, and that's the Amy Adams movie. And it's based off your short? No. Script someone else wrote. That just, uh, yeah, I got it off of my short. It's right. not like the story of the short, but yeah, uh, I got the job off the short. So you are now making your first movie. You're 21. Youngest person on the set. You're directing. Yeah. No and, idea what I was doing. And what, so, and then what do you do? You let them do their thing. You hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, part of my problem if. at that age was I kind of let it, I just checked to everybody and I kind of forgot that voice thing or that vision thing, which right. is why I'm here. And I kind of let, just check to anybody. I mean, listen, I had a, a grip who worked on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I'm like, I'm not going to tell him how to do this stuff. Like, this guy knows more than me, yeah, you know? he was in a room with Gene Wilder. Seriously. And like Veruca. <laughs> a clat, like... And this 21-year-old kid who's never directed anything is going to be like, no. Plus, I didn't know anything about lights because I didn't really remember that from school. But I, I got very intimidated, very intimidated. So you and basically so I lost. just kowtowed to whoever had yeah, I the mean, stronger voice. My strongest, my strong suit has always been working with actors, so I enjoyed that aspect of it and worked right. with actors. But I also got kind of confused between friendship and work. Sure. And that fucked with me a little bit, Because too. it's an intoxicating environment, which Very. I don't think people really quite understand about making a movie or a TV show. And the people who finance my movie, one of the financers um, owned the Golden Nugget Hotel in Las Vegas. So they flew us all out on a private plane, and like we filmed in Vegas, but we had like whatever the fuck we wanted. And it was like, I flew my parents out. I was like, living it. Room service? I don't remember room service, but... We shot a scene in a strip club, and I put my dad in it. He's in the strip club. All right. Naked woman. Well, I like to see that that's sort of come full circle for him. Yeah, exactly. Started with the weirdo pot kid at NYU, and then in his son's film. He's very proud of it. With a stripper. Yeah. He also plays the pilot in the air. (laughs) All right. Very very talented. Double parts in your movie. Very cheap. Yeah. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) But do you think that you kowtow... I mean, I... You know, I've I've been lucky enough to work with some great filmmakers who I really respect, and this one guy, especially Jacob Estes, who directed this movie Mean Creek, that yeah, I was I lucky enough to be. It was in. around the same time as my stuff. Yeah, and I remember him saying once we were at lunch, and I asked him about directing, and he said, "It's a benevolent dictatorship, in that you can be loving and supportive and all those things, but they need to know that the buck stops with you. Yeah, that you are the originator and the." sort of the authority yeah. of of idea and 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 I find that to be true as well as a performer like you want you want a director to be a parent in the sense of give me my freedom but if I get into trouble I want to be able to call you yeah and that's what you want like let me try some shit but if I veer too far left or right put me back on track I had this one moment in standing still in the art department I had to come up with a puppet and they came and brought me two different versions of the puppet. And they're like, which one do you want? I was like, uh, I don't know. Right. And then I was like, at that moment, I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And, like, and you can't say that. No, you can never let so on. So that you just should say that one, even if you don't have no idea and, and hope for the best. I mean, what I learned in that is have your voice, trust your instincts. And then I went and did another movie after that, which um, sucked. Yeah. We all do it. Yeah. Do no. you know that... Now, this is another interesting thing, too, because I've worked on movies that just aren't good. Yeah. And 
but you'll never work on a movie. Now, back in the day, you know, when we used to shoot on film, they would have dailies and they would have a room basically where they would project what they shot the day before. And all the head departments, the cameramen and the costumes and the art department would go in and watch what was done the day before. Even on the worst film, you'll never see a producer come out of there and go, we're in trouble. Right. They always go, I think we have something really special here. Right. And so did you know in the middle of it, you're like, this yeah. isn't working. Yeah. Yeah, we've all been there. Uh, I knew that I was the wrong guy for it. Right. I didn't write it. It was a thriller. Is that crushing? Name. Yeah, it sucked. And so at that point, are you just trying to... Get by day by day. Right. And get it made. I mean, the two main actors did not get along at all, and that was tough. Um, they brought in a DP who I didn't know, and I actually kind of didn't love. And by then, I was just like, let's just get this over with. Ugh. I know it's painful. In my career, I I feel like I was a reluctant director. Like I never really wanted it as much, but because I had the success of the short and directing that, like I always wanted to write, but I didn't necessarily want to direct. And I kind of just kind of went that way. And then after that one bombed and then ultimately it was bought by lifetime and is a lifetime movie. Well, I mean, starring Meghan Markle. Excuse. Oh, so this (laughs) is in one of it. Yeah. It's called deceit. Also starring, um, Joe Pantoliano and Emmanuel Shrieky and good title. Even no, it was called the American Standard, and then a another good title, <laughs> Deceit. Uh, and I didn't see any, I didn't see the cut or anything. They took it away from whatever. They took it away from you as soon as you were done. Really? They gave me like two weeks to work on a cut, and I was just like bullshit. Right. I knew that that was not enough time. And you could tell it sucks because you can tell the producers aren't happy with it, and I, I just wanted to crawl up, you know. And I, 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 it was tough, and so that's when I quit the business. I was like, I'm done. And that's when TMZ was starting the TV show. And it was actually a, one of my actor's brother's girlfriends who was headhunting for people who had journalistic background as well as production background to help create and format this show. And so I signed on for six months to help launch it and ended up staying six years and didn't do anything directing-wise or writing-wise um, and then towards the end, I, I started to get the itch back, you know, and Funny or Die contacted me and I directed a short for them and it was so up my alley and I loved it. And I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. Not necessarily the directing, but the writing for sure. And so uh, I left kind of cold turkey TMZ and started, this is what I call my second career, my second ch- time around. And and so I'm in my second time around. And so starting at TMZ, is there any initial trepidation because you're like, here I come from the traditional world. Did you know that it was going to become... really. The only thing that at that time, the two biggest things at TMZ were Anna Nicole Smith died and Paris Hilton was in jail, right? So it wasn't as paparazzi as it was just kind of like weird story. Like, yeah, right now, like in today's day and age, that's a Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't amped up by that at all. So it wasn't so I the power that it is now. No, not at all. Not even close. Website or the TV show. And then as it kind of got formatted um, and things happened and they started shooting their own video and, you know, doing that sort of stuff and it became a little more um, defined with paparazzi-ish and that sort of stuff. There was moments when it was very tough for me, but, you know, I lost some friends. uh, I get it to an extent. And it used to, I used to like 
really hurt me. And I used to like cry, but I also had to realize that, okay, maybe these weren't real friendships to begin with. Right. But also secondly, I got to do what I got to do. And there are people to this day who give me shit about it, you know, and my answer to that, and I'm a, a lot less um, defensive of it. And like, I mean, uh, like, uh, I don't let it get to me near as much because as I'm older and years have gone by, I'm like, well, screw you. <laughs> but what are the what would you say because we've talked as friends and it's like what are the biggest misconceptions about who TMZ is as opposed to like the scummy paparazzi hanging yeah. out in the bushes outside someone's house I actually like will defend TMZ a lot and I think that TMZ does not do a, one of my biggest problems is when people blame TMZ um, when the blame should really fall on whoever did whatever the bad thing was. Right. You know what I mean? And that, and like that, you let yourself get filmed. Yeah. Or you said this or you, I mean, you got the DUI, you know, and, right. and we're following you to ask you about it, but you're the one who did in the first place. So don't shit on TMZ for really doing that. I also feel like people want this, like the Kardashians exist for a reason. So it's sometimes a chicken or egg thing, you know, like, which, who do you really, like, can you really blame TMZ? They're just kind of capitalizing on what people are craving and kind of giving it to them, right? But the Kardashians and people of that nature, I feel like, have some sort of arrangement with publicity companies like this. Or Maybe. I mean, I've companies. never really been involved in that aspect of it, but I'm sure. You I, know? I remember my buddy worked for a huge, uh, huge uh, photo, Getty Image yeah. company, and and basically, it's an aggregate of any paparazzi photo, also professional photos. I mean, it's a super legitimate source. Yeah. But I, I always remember him saying something to the effect of like, any 80% of the paparazzi photos that you see have been arranged. Right. There is certainly, I've heard over the years, many people do that, for sure. And it's people that totally, I mean... It's a certain breed of people in the business. It's like George Clooney's yes. not doing that. <laughs> right, but then there's another side of like, Sure, you've got like the Clooney's who are super famous, super talented, and then you've got the super famous, maybe less talented, that are just as much on their um on you know, they're 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 on it. They're in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I with TMZ and this is me just being blunt and honest, um I TMZ does not print stories unless it's vetted or has a photo or video to back it up right right so they're not going to say oh we heard that so-and-so was cheating with so-and-so they're not going to do it they will do it if it really can be vetted or if there's some kind of physical evidence to it and team z also does not go following children around you know they do not go to they do not shoot on people's houses or properties um that may be other paparazzi and maybe sometimes they have bought it or whatnot but they do have a discerning eye up and and don't they do there is a line there really is and i think people just automatically assume lump everything together right and then they lump me into it even though i that's not even the stuff i was doing well it's got to be so hurtful because here you are it's like it's this day job and yes you're sort of slightly working for for the enemy but inevitably you're like dude i just want to make yeah they're paying my bills i i have a good gig you know um, I liked, I met people, I made, made other friends through it, you know, I, now I, 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 it afforded me to take my parents on a vacation, you know, things that are more important in life than 
some of the other stuff, and I've learned that through the through the years. But you would also have celebrities that knew you worked for TMZ, and they would use it to their advantage. For sure, you I were mean, like a guy on the inside. There was people. Too. You were deep throat. I mean, not to. Well, I've been that I've been called that many times, but I'd like to hear more about that. Um, but let's stay on the TMZ. Yeah, there court. was, and there was people who weren't stopping my friends who turned around. I was like, hey, can you help me out with this one or that one? Really? And I'm sure you did. Didn't? I'm sure you did help them. Did yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, and what does this that is mean? A business of relationships, whether they're real or not. You know, I'm not someone who likes to be on the shit side of people, but you know, there's a bunch of people I've accidentally done that too. But I try to keep the relationships alive because you never know. So you are you then on some level became the guy who I'm famous. I came out of a club drunk, kissing someone that's not my wife or girlfriend, and. Matt, dude, this is bad. Like, can you make Yeah, and this... I didn't have the power to make anything go away. You couldn't kill I, it. I couldn't, no. But I mean, you I could never... spin it. Maybe. I didn't even write that stuff. I could present it to other people there and just be like, look, and then hand it off to them. I, I Campaign for them. Yeah. It's a good guy. Yeah. Doesn't deserve sure. this. And we all get drunk and kiss people that aren't our... Seven out of the ten times I believed it. Right. You know? And a couple I didn't, but... And of the seven of the ten times that I believed it, you know, bit me in the ass anyway because they were just using me. I've, I've learned a lot in this town. It's politics. You're exchanging favors. And so where did – I always find it interesting, especially in L.A., you'll see that you'll be out and there'll be a famous person at a restaurant you're eating at or at a hotel or what have you. And if they haven't called the paparazzi, somehow the paps have figured out where they are. And does that mean that everyone is on the take? Is everyone calling? People have asked me that for years. I have no idea. I really I, don't. I'm pretty sure they are. I, I, may, I, I'm not, I was, never had access to that stuff. I never, I don't know how they got, even some of the stories they got. Like, I don't know. And I don't want to know. Right. Not because it's bad or anything. It's just not what I'm interested in. But there's a good chance that like valets at certain places or... Hotel. Somebody's got to be calling. Right. You know, there, I mean, I'm sure there are places that camera guys just stake out all the time because celebrities are always there, like Craig's restaurant or something. Celebrities are always there and they know what they're getting in for when they go there. But then other places, uh, uh, someone's got to tell them, I guess. What would you, if you had to give a quick, if you had 60 seconds with someone that was about to be majorly famous and you cared about them and wanted them to, keep up a certain you didn't want them to fall into the the pitfalls of how people look in front of paparazzi what would you tell them my my thing with that is just don't say anything don't stay quiet yeah just stay quiet. Clooney stays quiet Clooney no he plays he'll stay quiet about stuff but then if you ask about Batman or whatever he'll play ball right and that's fun that's good but that's a skill you know if if you don't want to be in that public eye. Don't do things that'll put you in the public eye. Well, I feel... Don't say things that'll put you in the public eye. I mean, look, actors in general, we're all dying for people's affection. But especially in this world, I mean, people... Like, I call it the woo phenomenon, right? If you go to a sporting event or anything, any even like on the street with a news camera, you put that camera on someone and you're going to get a woo. You're yes. going to get woo! Yeah, of course. Because all of a sudden, That's there's like a the free shirt thing you. where... All of a sudden, you can get a free shirt. Everyone's like, oh my God, a free shirt. Like, yeah. I don't need a free shirt. But Shoot okay. me in the face with a t shirt <laughs> yeah, gun. Completely. 
So I feel like we're all dying to have some relevancy at all times. That's and kind of the nature of the insecurity of the people in this business, for sure. And that's how famous people screw themselves. It is. But then you don't see, like, certain stars. Like, you don't know anything. I mean, I'm not talking about, like, Leonardo DiCaprio dating, like, Victoria's Secret models or whatnot. I'm talking about uh, <laughs> Gary Oldman. What's he up to? You know, like, he's not going to clubs and there's certain people that you just don't hear about and that's because they just don't want to be heard about. Right. So you can choose to keep a lower profile. I think so. You know, or someone like Tom Hanks, you know, who everything that they, that I read about him is always positive. Always. I met him. Nice guy, right? Mensch. A sweetheart. Nice guy. Just anyone who's not Jewish listening, Mensch, a Jewish word for a good guy. Yeah. Sweetheart. So be that guy. Right. You know, it's not... I mean, unless you're not that guy, and then you're it's your own you're, you're your own enemy, you know. It's funny too because I remember recently I was leaving a place and it was during the whole Logan Paul scandal and mm-hmm. whatnot, and and I, you know, being in that world, it was obviously an easy question to ask me. And there happened to be a paparazzi there, and it must have been a slow night because he turned the camera on as I was walking, and he said, "Like, what do you think about this Logan Paul stuff?" And I just remembered, like, I don't have to answer this, right? And I was like, really, like. This is, you're leading me down this road. Like, you just want me to completely screw myself. To to an extent. Yeah, I don't know. Because what's, I mean, what's the proper answer? I admonish him and I jump on the the bandwagon of publicly going against him, which he's gotten more than enough of, and which I don't need to publicly chastise someone because we're all in glass houses, right? Yeah, well, that's your belief and maybe my belief, but there are people who just say whatever the fuck they want. Right. Some of those I respect, you know? Many of the real housewives. <laughs> no, I don't respect them. No, uh, right. I, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's the, being on both sides of the business, it's been a, a tricky, uh, tricky balance. And I recently had a pitch for a show with a very famous uh, actress and her company. And once they found out that I used to work there, they literally threw me out of the room. And it was, really? It was humiliating. Not as humiliating as it would have been for me like 10 years ago when I would have like completely imploded and felt horrible about myself. But it, it, it's still, they, they try, they had, they said, let me give you a lesson in life. You know, like you can't straddle both sides of the fence. And I was like, fuck you. Like, I don't need you to tell me about my life or my choices. And I'm doing it. I'm fine. <laughs> right. You know, like I'm fine. I'm okay. I mean, it's it's all gravy because the the real important parts of life and this is the only thing that I've learned in all of this is family and and friends and travel and doing that. None of the other shit matters. And is TMZ a place where you'll get a call in the middle of the night? Not me. No. I didn't work in that stuff. Right. I just worked on the TV show and wrote jokes. But you were on the TV show at first. Yeah, I was on the show. So did you have any sort of semblance of celebrity? Yeah. Really? I loved it. Of course you did. I did. I'd go to my restaurant. and like, Matt, Matt, are you from TMZ? They never knew my name. It was, well, actually, no, they kind of knew my name sometimes. But it would happen on a daily occurrence. And that got to my head a little bit. And I was like, ooh, like this is... And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I have a career as like a host or something like that. And no, I didn't uh, after but- I left. I find this correlation too, especially with you, but with a lot of people in that you've worked in sort of entertainment news, you've got a picture to your own, you know, by your own admission with almost every celebrity on earth. 
Are famous people just more fun than regular people? I think so. You love them. One of my favorite movies is Almost Famous. And one of the lines is um, Patrick Fugit's character says to Kate Hudson, why do you only hang out with famous people or have to be around famous people? And she says, they're just more interesting. And I, I, I kind of agree. You love it. I do love it. I love it for the sociological psychological stuff I love it because I picture myself when I was 10 reading watching the Oscars with my mom and just wanting to be in Hollywood and reading people magazines and now I'm in it you know and because I'm a fan of entertainment business in general and I follow that and I'm in it and that's cool to me is there a commonality that you've seen I'm not talking about like fake famous people that are famous for a short time but for the real stars that you met, do you find a common thread in all of them that's something that they all possess, good or bad? Hmm. Because um, I noticed something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think... No. I think... I wanted to say that they're all a little less concerned with image but that's not true by any means with their image yeah. really tom cruise cares in incredibly about his image yeah 100 percent. so i'm wrong in that sense but do you think i find and this is when i've been around anyone that's sort of famous or noteworthy that they become the cop car in the room and everyone around them is just trying to drive normal they're all putting on like when you see a cop car on the road you're like making sure you're at the speed right. limit, making sure you're going straight. And that's everyone in their orbit that, and I think Seinfeld said it to Obama. And I mean, that's like the biggest celebrity there is, but to a smaller extent, other people where it's like, do you understand that everyone for better or for worse is putting up an act right, right. now around you? Well, I, I will say that everybody, nothing is what you think. I mean, you can, grass is always greener. I do believe that right. in, in people's lives. And I actually, I read stuff and I look at people who've had immense success and I get jealous and then I look at some of their lives and they've had immense tragedy. And it's like, not, I'm not saying that's the universe of some way, but it, it's, it's not as perfect as it seems. And I also see success can get to anybody's head. Anybody said. And the other thing I notice is that the people who genuinely care about what they do and the craft or the talent... They're a lot more grounded than everybody else. Right. And that's a way to keep you grounded. This is a, also, this is a city of temptation. And I've seen many people succumb to that. Drugs, sex, um, you know, partying, clubbing, all night rages, you know, kills careers, kills relationships. But a lot of people learn from it and come out of it. Well, it, because to a certain extent, eventually, if you're leaving, or I'm sorry, if you're leading an extraordinary life, you've got to push the limits on it. And yeah. how much crazier can it get? And how many more people can you be with? And drugs can you do? And, right. and experiences can you have? And yes men around. That's, nobody's there to check you, really. Speaking of yes men, can we talk about Kanye? Yeah. And yes, can, man. <laughs> and can we talk? I okay. You want to talk about yes, man? Reading his text messages, not with John Legend, but these other knuckleheads that he's texting, and he's like writing all this stuff that's a little kooky, and all he's got is people writing back, going, "You a genius, yay!" Mm -hmm. 
absolutely like they are so co-signing his bullshit where if I wrote my best friend Len if I was like my guy it's all about love 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 this is how we got to live love he'd be like Josh you're bugged out right now what's (laughs) wrong with you like have you taken the wrong pill this morning it's funny he uh, would check me a friend checks you a friend checks you but it's also I've been in orbits of big people and it's a different world it really is. He lives in a different world. Right. I, money isn't an issue. You know, yes men all around. Um, and I've, I'm friendly with Lance Bass, who I really love and is a genuine guy. And I always say, you know, he's always flying here or there, or getting the Hollywood Walk of Fame star or whatever. And I'm like, that's Lance Bass world. Like, I don't understand. There's some aspects of that I will never know. You but know? if he comes to yogurt land... Well, yeah, that's, and he that's is. That's Matt he's, World. He's great. Yeah, that's Matt World. <laughs> right. He's he's pretty grounded as far as they come, but I'm saying there's, they live in a different world. Kanye, but I also look at Kanye. I think there's something very um, calculated behind everything. Do you genuinely? And like he's just the PT Barnum of all this yep. right now. Yeah, yeah, I, the I, ringleader. I, I'm not sure exactly what the thing is. Is it like, you know? Just grabbing attention, even if it's a little bit of the negative, attention is attention. And we're all saps for reacting. Maybe. We're all on the mark. Yeah, I guess. Or he's genuinely sick, which I don't mean to laugh about, but that's uh, a possibility as well. I know what you mean. And I think there's a, there's a level of... I th- he's, but he's Kardashian adjacent. Everything they do is calculated. Right. So he's in that. So there's no question in my mind that it's calculated. Sorry. Hi, this is Lucille from the Curious Podcast with Josh Beck Ad Department. Good to meet you. I've got a quick little ad for you and we'll get right on back to the show. Y'all, have you heard of Dollar Shave Club? Because no matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. They have an amazing shower-like thing. They have hairstyling products, toothbrushes, toothpaste. They got it all. Whatever you need in the bathroom, you are set. And of course... Obviously, they got razors, they got shave supplies. Recently, I tried their Amber Lavender Body Wash. Let me tell you, it was like a gift that I gave to myself. It was beautiful. I don't know what heaven smells like, but I think I can guess now. Anyway, this is really exciting. Right now, you can get ready with an amazing deal on any one of their starter sets. I recommend the Daily Essentials Starter Set because I love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser, but you can't go wrong with any of them. Head over to dollarshaveclub.com curious to pick your own DSC starter set for just five bucks. After your starter set, products ship at regular price. And make sure you check out their new video too. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash curious, dollarshaveclub.com slash curious. I, well, that, to your point, though, too, and I was listening to Mike Rappaport's podcast the other day. Do you day. do anything other than listen to, rap, uh, to podcasts? I'm a big fan of podcasts. Wow. I listen to you yours. You start your own. Thank you. It's called Allegedly, by the way. It's called Allegedly. <laughs> do you want to give anyone, uh, people, more information about It's it? uh, me and a stand-up comedian named Theo Vaughn, and we compete on each episode to win the episode as judged by the celebrity guest, which you have not only been a guest on, but you have co-hosted and substituted for Theo before. Well, it was when you approached me at a party we were at mm-hmm. and hadn't met yet, mm-hmm. and you said, would you ever consider being on my podcast? Yeah, you got to do it. I mean, one of the things I've learned in this business— and I think a lot of it comes from my interviewing days. 
I used to be very intimidated. Like I'd be in an event and I'd have to go up and talk to Richard Gere or, you know, whomever. And I'd be like, Ooh. Right. but I had to force myself to do it because that was my job. And so I eventually learned that skill of being able, I'll try any, I'll try it. You know, what's the worst thing you're going to say? Fuck you, Matt. Plenty of people have said, fuck you, Matt, to me, you know? Like who? Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, but I respect them. I, I, I went up to Zach Woods, who plays, um, uh, what's his name? He's on Silicon Valley. He plays Jared, right? And I went up to him. And I was like, oh, I love you. You would be on my podcast. And he was like, no. Mm-mm. You got to respect no him. Desire. For, and I did. Yeah. For not giving you the runaround. Loved it. Love right? it. Whereas I meet so many people and they're like, yeah, we'll do it. Call my publicist. And the publicist says, no, not going to happen. Or we'll do it in a month. Cut to two years later. I've been trying to get Matt Bomer on the podcast. And he has told me to my face five or six times he'd be on there. And it still hasn't happened. Let me take care of this. Matt, I know you're listening. Matt Bomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt Bomer. Do my friend Matt. Matthew Cole Weiss, you guys share a name. Yeah. Be on his podcast. He will only hit on you for the first 48 minutes of it. And then for the last 10, you can talk about your career. Exactly. And I'm, I hate fakeness. I, I don't think his is fake. It's funny, it's, though, that you hate fakeness, and yet you're in this sort of I business, know. which... I know. The bad side of it can sort of... Um, I, I, you can tell when someone's lying to your face, and it bothers me. I'd rather you just be honest about it, but I also know it's kind of... I guess it comes with the territory. So, with the Kanye of it all, especially, I, I find it interesting, too, that like we're not really hearing from the Kardashian side of things. No. Well... Uh, I don't know. Like I said, everything is calculated with them. If right. I've learned anything over my years of journalism, there's not, they have a meeting about everything, whether it's sex tape or, you know, pregnancy or whatever. Everything is. So I can only imagine that whatever their silence is, is a calculated silence. Like their reasoning, reasoning for being that is because they think that's the best way to do damage control or because they're part of it and like letting Kanye have the moment. I don't know. But us being, re- and if it is calculated, Kanye, much like his you know, new best friend, Donald Trump, mm. I feel as though it's such a, um, a reflection on sort of our society, right? Is that we are so damn reactive and we are playing into these people's grand plan at every turn. Yeah, but I see, because I'm so torn too, because I'm the guy who, when I was growing up, was reading these people magazines and craving it. So yeah, we all were. I'm part of the problem. As far as uh, in that sense, I, I don't know. It's fascinating. I like my mom will call me and she, you know, she's a little bit older. And so she hangs out at home and she's retired and she'll watch the 24 hour news cycle. And she'll say like, you're never going to guess Michael Cohen. They just got him. Like she's constantly giving me the Trump updates about the comings and goings of yeah. his life. And what I always want to say is like, mom, I love you, but like, let me guess. Yeah. He's acting like the mob boss in chief. Right. Like this is Surprise. nothing new. Yeah. Why do you keep, hmm. Uh, I, here's another thing. My grandmom, speaking of grandmoms, when I was on TMZ, she hated it. Right. She would call, I'm not watching that. Like oh, I've watched it. No, that's such trash. But can you believe what Khloe Kardashian did? Like, of course. That's what it was. That's what it was. Every time. My grandma literally would say that. I mean, I will. I think we're all susceptible to, I love great movies, and I'll watch a brilliant Spike Lee movie or something, some, some award season, mm-hmm. 
great movie. Me too. Yeah. And then I will find myself getting in bed at night with my wife and saying, what happened on Bravo? I need to see right. what's going on with Dorinda that's why this, on Real Housewives New York. That's I mean, that's the thing. People crave it. They you know, love it. They crave it. So I don't knock it really. Ish. 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 I mean, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a pile it's a can of worms. And then what do you think is the like the freaking Met Gala? I would kill to go to. Yes. I would kill to go, but see But kill to go in what vein? Like to just be someone's plus one, to be working the carpet. No, no, no. No. I no worked desire. so many carpets. Dude, you get treated like crap. Okay, let's talk about that. Yeah? Working the carpet. What's that like? So you're at a big movie premiere or... Uh, yeah, and I've done hundreds and hundreds. Where are you on the carpet, right? Depends because... on the uh, uh, publication. So first up is like the majors, like extra first entertainment First up is the cameras, the, the stills. So people take pictures and then they go to the interviews and then it's those shows like that. The extras, entertainment tonight's, whatever's. And then uh, it'll trickle down to other less important camera on camera stuff, you know, like Telemundo or whatever. (laughs) And then they'll have the print press at the very end. Right. And you know, you can sort of see that sort of as the carpet goes on, all of a sudden it's going from like the New York times to the Jewish journal. (laughs) And you're like, not that I don't want to give you guys the excuse. When I work for people, much more respect. Right. Like, Oh, we want you to talk to people magazine. When I work for like us weekly, a lot of times it was like, mm, no, we're well, not even coming here. Yeah. You must see, because having been on the other side of it, having a publicist who you can, like, where I'll say, I, I don't want, I don't want to do that, yeah. or they'll, they'll just decide for you, and you on the other side of that rope has to be like, damn it, she's running interference. Like we just yeah, made, <laughs> we just made sure. eye contact. They were walking over, and this isn't going to happen now. I also, yes, plenty of times. There's also been times where <laughs> I gotten in trouble because people publicists have brought so-and-so over and uh that's not my goal for the night to get so-and-so and so so i'm like no thanks and they're like you don't want to speak to so-and-so like are you crazy and then they would call my editor and chew me out would they call your editor the publicist would yeah it happened many times um or i'd get in a fight and i was like you can't tell me who i can interview or not whatever i should have just interviewed them and put put up with it you show them that uh never it didn't really work in my favor anytime i did that but um no the thing with that is, you're at a premiere of your movie that you're the star of. I'm here because I'm just here to ask you questions about you in the movie. Just talk to me. I'm here. You know, that was kind of the thing. Talk to, like, I showed up. So it's sort of an agreement, like, we both don't want to be here. Yes, for right. sure. So can we just But we're help here each for a purpose. Out. We're helping each other out, yeah. Right. And I have friends like Aaron Paul was an old friend even before the journalism days, and he'd go out of his way. Where's Matt Weiss? Like... I'll talk to him, even if he wanted to talk to other people, because he knew that this was a job for me, and I was just going to ask him about Breaking Bad or, you know, how's your wife or whatever this mundane questions are. It's not like very paparazzi driven or anything. Right. So a lot of times I'd be like, come on. But, you know, teach their own. What do you think is the, what do you think is sort of the common thread, like have, most famous people in your life that you've become friendly with broken your heart? Yeah. At really? least 100%. <laughs> really? At one point or another. God, I'm so glad I'm only a quasi-celebrity because <laughs> I'm that, never going to let you down, my boy. That could be because I'm ultra-sensitive. 
Sure. Um, and I overread into you, things. You can be an aggressive texter. Yeah, no, yeah. It happens. It happens. Um, yeah, I don't know boundaries a lot of times. But it's okay. Who does? I've learned the hard way many times. Uh, but yeah, I think, and it's not necessarily maliciously doing it, but the nature of that Lance Bass world, which is, oh, I've got to leave right now and go to this, can be disappointing because you're not coming to my birthday party, even though we're good friends, you know, because you have to go do whatever. Right. And But that's not really breaking your heart. That's someone who's busy with some sort of work yeah. engagement. I'm not saying maliciously breaking my heart, but sometimes, you know, it, it, it is, and I'm not blaming them. This is their job and this is what they do. But it's, sometimes it's hard to maintain relationships that are real with that sort of stuff going on. It's funny, though. There's like a transient nature to it, too. I once was hanging out with Justin Bieber, humble brag. (laughs) I remember, and we like randomly were at this place and we were hanging out for a couple hours and we met and we talked and we sort of had some friends in common. And I had remembered reading a tweet with that he had written saying something to the effect of like Drake and Josh was my favorite TV show because far before Drake was ever um, calling me out publicly, he was calling Justin oh, Bieber. really? Yeah. That was... He was picking fights all around, huh? So it's good to know I'm in good company. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, anyway, I saw him at this spot, and we were hanging out, and it was sort of like a lounge place, and we wound up hanging out for like hours yeah. and talking, and I'm like, this kid is incredible. Like, what a guy, so nice, lovely. And I stand by that, but I do remember the second time I saw him, and I don't have any... I'm not deluded. Like, I didn't think it was going to be anything sort of like right. that. But I imagine that maybe we do a quick catch up. But yeah. it, it was very much like, dude, how are you? Nice to see you. And he kind of gave me the quick, yeah, good to see you, boss. Yeah. And out. Yeah, I've had that. I was that like, happen. oh, yeah, I remember. Many times. But then it's a, it's a wake up call as to what's, you know, I want to get excited by this. I want to be in a room with these celebrities. And then I get kind of drawn into the magic of it. And then I get kind of hurt when real life kind of kicks in. Right. But I know better and wiser uh, as I've aged but there's been so many stories I could I've I've had some I have some stories plenty and so in, in, in stories about attempts to be to maintain friendships with famous people parts where I've overstepped my bounds completely because I didn't recognize you know like these people aren't your friends or they're not in the same type of level. What does overstepping your bounds look like? Calling a lot. Calling. This was before texting. Calling before, and they they wouldn't answer the phone. Yeah, wouldn't answer the phone. So you give them another call. Yeah, I mean, and then maybe I don't, a third. I don't think I ever did anything. Yeah, well, I have that problem with me- with dating too. But in my mind, I never did anything that bad, you know. But like, there was times when Freddie Princess Jr. was like, "Stop calling me." Really? Yeah. And I was like, Freddy. oh, I thought we were friends. I thought we were best friends. That's what a stalker would say, too. <laughs> so I recognize that. Well, it's good to know that you were, well, you were once close. I've, there's many. That, that is a well-littered road. <laughs> I don't <laughs> doubt it. Most of them are, bo- are handsome fellows, though. It seemed, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I did think that the first time that we met that perhaps you were maybe hitting on me, but probably not. No. Ah. Well, now I'm hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I mean, I'll take it. I'm disappointed. uh, I don't hit on anybody unless it's like just blatant. I'm never going to hear from you again. Like if you have any any like sense of soul or like kindness about you, I'm not interested. 
Well, then I don't qualify. <laughs> no, you're a great guy that I would want to talk to again. I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> you are a very, very <laughs> wonderful fella. Um, any now, like, let's get away from the pot. We're friends. We don't have to talk about all this paparazzi stuff. Any lovely guys in your future? Let's talk about the dating life. No, I've never had a, a boyfriend. Never. I mean, dated for like a month, maybe a month and a half, but it wasn't really considered boyfriend. And what do you think that's about? Oh, major psychological trauma and issues. Who who doesn't have that? Completely. Uh, and unwillingness to uh, change the type of guy that I go after, even though I should, um, and not so knowing you, what I want. So you pick men that are less than available. Yeah. Like, you mean straight? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Definitely. Or mean, you know, or uh, physically or whatever verbally abusive because it's just like the cycle that's happened and I can't get out of it. And, and so my answer to get out of it is just not do it. So I don't date. But where do you think it, it's born from, right? Because your parents are so lovely. Yeah, no, I mean, I had, when I first uh, went to New York and was in college and had my first meet up with a guy off of an AOL chat room, I was way in the closet and, you know, he, he was, he kind of beat me up and it was very traumatizing, you know, and it, I think it fucked with me big time. And then the first person I fell in love with was this guy who was a Marine who was very on the DL and then broke it off and said, I never existed. This never happened. I'm going to Iraq. I'm marrying a woman, you know, and I don't know you. And I really fell hard for him. That was the first guy. And so those were two pretty shitty experiences to begin with. And they psychologically played with me um, to the point, uh, adding on top of the fact that I didn't come out till or really start dating till I was like 27, 28. Right. When most people do it in high school, you know. So I didn't know anything about dating. And it's weird to me. And I, I, and I have to learn the social, the not textings and the things like that. It's been hard. But do you think that, I mean, because you had these two experiences early on, mm -hmm. and yet that type of guy has sort of become your a pattern for you. Yep. And yet it didn't make you trepidatious of going in that direction. No, because it, it was some kind of self-sabotage thing. I've always said that in all my life, my career, um, my dating, the biggest person standing in the way of my own success is me. Um, I don't let myself get to that step. Well, we're all getting in the way of ourselves. Yeah. But I, I feel like I do it maybe purposely punishing myself for certain things. I don't, I don't know where it comes from. I'm just being honest. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, I think we're all sort of standing in our own way to a certain extent. I, I heard someone once say, like, we're all born perfect and then someone calls us fat. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> makes fun of our intelligence or our looks or the way we are or the way we dance or the way we rejoice. And yeah. inevitably we then put up all these defense mechanisms so that we never have to feel that pain again. And that's probably what me with dating was. Like, me of not having to get too close to someone again is just like, I'm just going to go after these guys who are just assholes or straight or will hook up with me and then say I didn't exist and whatnot. Right. And that's probably what it was. And as I'm getting older uh, and my priorities are coming a little more into focus, such as, you know, a baby and things like that, um... I'm trying to reevaluate that, but it's, it's like, uh, it's like a habit. It's like smoking, you know, 
It's like a habit that you have and you literally have to consciously break. And it's very hard for me to. And you're so, I mean, you're, you're, you're a fully realized man. Yeah, like, but I, <laughs> I mean, there's so much self-awareness and God knows that you and I have paid for more than our share of psychology, Freudian, Young, Carl Young, shout out. I mean, we've, we've benefited from years and years of, of psychotherapy and yet it feels as though as having all that and yet there's still these impediments, these things. Uh, being self-aware is very different than taking action against the problem. But that's even more aware. It's aware, but it, it is very aware. I will go to my shrink and I'll go, I know this is crazy. Like, I know that this, that I shouldn't be doing this or whatever. Uh, and, and we'll have the same conversation over and over again, but I just don't do it. And even if it's, if it's dating, if it's work, if it's, uh, I don't know, I don't do it. And so in the past year or so, I've been trying to make myself do it and such as, dropping everything and going to Australia for two weeks, like something I would never do. And I just did it. I right. just went and did it. And I was proud of myself. I didn't have the best time, but I was proud of myself for doing it. I'm trying to live that way a little more. So breaking patterns. Breaking patterns, trying to get back into uh, the, the work I want to do, writing and directing, TV and film, and dating, you know, being on Tinder and swiping right for people that – are perhaps are probably in their better 30s for me. Yeah. <laughs> and not just in their late teens. No, my shrink has literally had to take my thing and like change the age range. And because I, it was like 18 to 30. I wonder if that's going to be a new class in modern psychology, like intervening on your patient's dating <laughs> app. <laughs> right. It's really, it was like, Matt, 40, you got to go to 40. You want a family, you want to settle down. Like you're not going to get that in 18 to 30 necessarily. You were like, I want to thank you for your years of service, <laughs> yeah. but unfortunately I'm going to have to move on to another psychologist. That's pretty much it. And I was like, um, I didn't say, maybe this one I don't want a family with. Maybe this one I just want to, you know, hook up with. Right. But that doesn't happen either. <laughs> but what do you, uh, it's funny too, because I remember us going through your Tinder ones <laughs> <laughs> on its original settings. It's fun. And there were some like lovely young men, late 20s, early 30s, professional career type guys that seemed like they could cook you dinner. Right. You could introduce to your parents. I'll look for any reason to say no. Like his and name were... will be Zoltan and he'll be handsome and and whatever, and I'm like, I can't date someone named Zoltan. I can't date anyone with a Z in their name. Like, done. Oh, that person, I mean, this is horrible, but like, that person is a flight attendant? Oh, they could be the most wonderful person. Oh, like, I don't really love flamboyant guys out. You know? Oh, wait, wait. Wait, what do you have against flight attendants? Let's dig in there. It's, it's, They're not available? They're going to be gone too much? No. It's, Did it's, you look at the airline? You're like, ah, I don't love Southwest. I have, and it's part of that, <laughs> part of that defense mechanism or whatever, but I am uh, primarily attracted to super masculine guys. And to me, even though it's ridiculous and not true, flight attendant, hairdresser, ballet dancer, you know, they immediately equal femininity and I write them off to begin with. And it's horrible. What your definition of femininity? Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and it's wrong. And just another reason just one of the many things I just write off that is standing in my own way. So you're looking for like a coal miner, a professional weightlifter. Farmersonly.com. Farmersonly.com. I want, don't they have like Abercrombie and Fitch models who... Um, Isn't there a dating app for gay servicemen? <laughs> Escorts? <laughs> right. 
I, I've looked. I've, n- I've never gotten to the point. Because with escorts, which exists, you get exactly what you want, right? I want right. this, like, blonde hair, blue eye, uh, gorgeous, muscular guy. I can get it, and he'll be in and out. I've never done it, but that's the appeal of it. But that's, well, the, I mean, inevitably, like, that's the dangerous side of all quick fixes like that, right? Yeah. It's just like a drug. Well, that's, I, I used short to hook term. up a lot, and I don't do it anymore because it, it ultimately leaves me nowhere near satisfied in life. Well, it's short-term gain for long-term pain. Yeah. And yes. Very true. Right. And not even gain most of the time. <laughs> no. Sometimes almost game or fake game. Oh, yeah. Get out of my house. I remember once I was doing a movie that was not another one of those that aren't great. And there was that producer that seemed like he was straight out of a movie and he was slimy and not the best intentions. And somehow he and I talking on set one day, the conversation turned towards, you know, I could probably get a couple girls for you and I and we could, you know, go and go to a hotel or That's something. That's where we met. <laughs> yeah. I remember exactly. now. Exactly. Yes. And I just immediately was like terrified. Yeah. I, I just, that's so, I mean, unless they want to play Scrabble <laughs> and order in and, and, you know, go on their way, which doesn't seem like a terrible night. Uh, I, I just don't but think But you do so. realize there are plenty of other people who do. Right. Yeah. We're, we're the exception of the rule out here, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, Matt, the truth is we're the exception in every sense of the word. That's true. Um, so... I guess that all sort of leads into the final chapter of the podcast is that you want to have a kid. Yeah. You want to be like a dad. I do. I don't know much about my life for sure. Like the only thing I know is that that's um, what I want and supposed to do. And you're 38? Yeah. I always said by 40. And how's that looking? Scary. It gets uh, the closer it gets, the go the more I go. Ooh, I can't go to Australia if I have a kid like that. Or ooh, I can't sleep till two p.m. You know, and I get more scared and scared. But I, I don't have the um, luxury of accidentally getting someone pregnant. True. Um, it, or any any pregnancy that I'm gonna have or kid I'm gonna have is gonna be very calculated. You know, it's gonna have to be a whole adoption process and a whole or a whole surrogacy process. So it's like for real, for real. It's a funny thing with my wife and I, especially where, you know, my entire life, it was instilled in me, rightfully so, that like, if you are not smart and you get the wrong person pregnant, it will fuck up your life forever. Right. And you will love that kid, but you will not like that person. And you are connected to them more than 18 years, your whole life, because that kid connects you. Right. So... I remember, you know, my big brother always instilling in me, like, whatever you do, have fun, but don't be an idiot. Right. And then you get married and everyone's like, have a kid. (laughs) They're like, get, you found the right one, now get her pregnant. Right. And you're like, whoa. And, And I'm totally excited and ready and stoked for that. And yet there's still sort of like this latent part of me that's been so deeply ingrained of like, what? Right. But it's there's so much work and responsibility and oh God, but I'm I mean, for me, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts is like and it's something I brought up to Stamos who just had a kid, was that how many days can you sleep until two? I guess it's not that's not a bad thing, but like how yeah. much can you how many trips, how many dinners, how many events can you go Everyone to? Everyone I talk to 
who says it's a lot of work, but a hundred percent worth it, you know? Right. And it's the change in life and everything. No question. And again, I'm aware of that. And that's a little scarier to just, that'll be a whole life change. Right. Um, cause I'm not of the financial status or whatnot where I can just hire, you know, someone to take care of the baby all the time. I don't have other than my brother, like family out here to work on it. You know, most of my friendships are very shallow and they're not going to do a lot of it just because of the nature of where I'm at. And so it's, it's something that I really have to put thought into. And I thought last year or a year before, like, bring it on. This is it. This is all I want in life. And then as I work on my career and stuff like that, I, I get a little more nervous, but I have to hold on to the, um, facet or the belief that I do know that that's my calling. I do. That's the one thing I know. You're going to be a great dad. I do know that too. I do. You want to know why I know that? Hmm. Kids love yogurt. <laughs> they love going to yogurt. That was it. That was Matthew Cole Weiss. Three names. What? Can you believe that? Um, yeah. He's the best. He's a real friend. He's a real buddy. And I so appreciate him doing this. Um, so I'm glad that he did. Guys, have a great week. I'm here for you. If Uncle Josh, you know, if you need me, call on me. You know, tweet at me. At It's Josh Peck. Why, why do I feel the need to plug right now? You're doing a nice enough thing listening to my pod. And here I am being like, D -d -d get more of me. Uh, consume more of what I have to give. Yeah. <laughs> Don't follow me. Unfollow me. You know what? That'll show me for being such a selfish son of a gun. You know? Just so darn needy. More, more. I, I'm going to tweet later. Please retweet it so I feel okay about life and that I'm okay and I contribute to the world. No, it's not about that, guys. You know what it's about? It's about a nice meal. It's about family. It's about a good movie. Art. Maybe you're into sports. I don't know from that, but I know a lot of people like them. It's about your kids, or so people tell me. I don't know. I don't have one yet. It's coming soon. Terrifying. But yeah, it's about the little things, you know? It's just about the little things. Um, all right. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you. See you next week. Okay, bye.